Hello and welcome to Rose Tinted Review, the show where every week we pick something that we have nostalgia for, we revisit it and review it to find out if our hindsight is truly 2020 or we've just been wearing rose tinted glasses. I'm your host, Michael Jobaz, and I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Connor O'Keen. Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm good, man. Excellent. Bitches leave. <laughs> I was just sitting here going, I've got to think of a segue to, to uh, get into this one. And uh, yeah, no, bitches leave. Sure. Why not? Bitches there's, leave. There's so many like one-liners. It's such a quotable there, movie. There is. There is. There is. So, so uh, before we get too ahead of ourselves, introduce what, what's this what's We this are episode talking about? about Robocop. Hell not yeah, Not the dude. remake. The good old original. 1987 Robocop. Yes, directed by Paul Verhoeven, written by Edward Numier and uh, Michael Miner. Starring fucking Peter Willer. Mm-hmm. What a legend. Yeah, dude. This Nancy is, Allen. This is a really fucking interesting, cool movie. Yep. Um, I don't know what I, like, we were talking about Iron Giant and I was like, Oh, a robot that has to decide whether he's good or bad. Like, hey, this, and then I just thought of Robocop. It's not. Yeah, yeah, I think it's. Similar, uh, but- it's well, it 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 deals um, similarly or with similar themes of of identity and stuff. Yeah, you know, as we'll as we'll get into. Yeah, there's an identity um, through line, and it has uh, the same kind of. Uh, I guess where where Iron Giant kind of had a tongue in cheek. Um, uh, Showing of of you know nineteen fifties you know Cold War era paranoia and and stuff, um, albeit a much more realistic one. This has a kind of similar uh, tongue in cheek approach to the eighties kind of rise of of excess and uh, you know the the kind of yuppie capitalism rampant running rampant kind of thing. Totally, man. Totally. Um, it's funny when I was uh, when I was like originally watched this movie, I just sort of. Uh, thought of it as like, oh yeah, this is just an awesome eighties sci-fi. This is what the eighties sci-fi movies are. But yeah, yeah. Um, something that I was sort of um, conscious of when I was watching a Red Letter Media review Starship Troopers that I was telling you about, okay. and they went into the like the, the just the ridiculously over the top satire that's mm. in that movie. I was like, yeah, that's that's in like a lot of his movies and. I don't know if I really like fully picked it up when I was originally watching it or I was just like, yeah, he's Robocop. He's a superhero. <laughs> I think, I mean, so how old were you when you first watched this movie? Oh, like, like 13, 14. Yeah, I think I was probably around the same age, probably 15. And yeah, I think I just consumed it as like a kooky 80s action flick. It, I don't remember it um, really wowing me all that much. Um, uh, beyond some of the set pieces and stuff, it didn't, it didn't stick with me. Classic dumb baby Connor. Yeah, smooth brain, dude. <laughs> so we're introduced to this ridiculous level of satire with a bunch of uh, news reports, just giving us yeah. some like oh, heavy-handed exposition. Yeah, yeah, I really, I really love that, and that's I, I'm meaning to um, go back and rewatch Starship Troopers because that's something I really loved about Starship Troopers as well that I'd forgotten was even a, an element of this movie. Yeah, the 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 ads and the propaganda kind of stuff. 
Um, I love that. I think it's so funny and, and does such a good job of, of establishing the world and, and it's really good world building. And the tone of the film as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is something, I think it sets up the, the tone of the film and the uh, like the point of view of the director and the writers and the people involved in this movie of the state of the world and the state of the the eighties excess, like it's a re- it's a really good way of establishing that like we're going to be taking the piss out of this yeah. for for the next you know ninety ninety or so minutes, hundred or so minutes. I was watching some some behind the scenes stuff, and uh, I think one of the producers mentioned that um, Paul Verhoeven, because he's not an American, he's come to this script, this very satirical script but uh, an American script nonetheless and is able to view it kind of anthropologically mm. as as an outsider and go, well, this is what I see. When I look at America and, and Paul Verhoeven says as much in, in interviews where he's like, I'm holding a mirror up. This is what I see of, of America at, at the time. Like I don't condone it. I don't admire it. This is just what I'm seeing. And yeah. I think it's, it's, it's a really cool... He's a really cool director. I really like how he, what his approach to Starship Troopers was as well, where he read the book and was like, mm. this book is, like, I hate this book. It's trash. I hate its mm. message. And then, mm. like, subverted that with his adaptation, where it's mm-hmm. taken the piss out of it. Yeah, totally. It's amazing. I think one of our well, um, uni lecturers, one of his favourite films was Starship Troopers. He would unironically talk about that. <laughs> was that Boris? Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Oh, that's so cool. Well, I think this is a really cool meeting of like uh, of the, the two writers and the directors, like the right people, I guess, gelling in the right way for this project because that he, he's able to take their, their satire and, and heighten it, you mm-hmm. know. I think the little um, news report, it also, it's like it sets the stakes. We've get, we get um, when we see our Ed 209 reveal and the demonstration that goes wrong, and mm. just like completely like squibbed to hell, annihilated the body, getting shot a thousand times and exploding in blood. Yeah, that doesn't seem that ridiculous. Like that sort of that exists to set stakes itself in the action, but mm-hmm. because we've already seen these crazy news reports, it doesn't feel too over the top. Like right out of the gates. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it's it's been established that this is a, a a violent and bizarre world we're about to enter into. I like the the I really like the introduction of Murphy um, as a character. Him being this kind of uh, blue collar dude, but hardworking, good at his job, has a, a a keen sense of of justice. Yeah, and he, but he's from the good side of the tracks. Like he um, has been transferred to this precinct. That's a really really big shithole. Mm, and everyone mm. comments on like, oh, that's where you come from. And he's like, oh, from here. And they're like, oh, that's a real, it's a nice place. Yeah. It's implied. It's a, it's a very subtle implication that it's like, yeah, he's from somewhere better. And um, it takes a couple of viewings to to pick up on the, the guy running the Robocop program who pitches it to the boss after Ed 209's demo fails. Um, yes. He says we've uh, already- What's his name, Bob? Yeah. Yeah, Bob Morton. They ask how quickly they can go to prototype, and he says, I'm confident within like 90 days or so, we've already placed all of the approved applicants in like these areas. So mm. they can, so it's not just a ch- by chance he's been transferred to this shitty precinct. It's, yeah, he's in this list of OCP has just bought the cops and it's now 
privatized and they're That's looking right. at all yes. of their employees or assets because they don't mm-hmm. look at them as people and yep. go, oh, this guy has a really good background. Like you said, all of the the his, his morals, you know, he wants to, like he, he really buys into the ideal of being a cop and protecting and serving and stuff. Yes. And they go, okay, here's a good applicant. Let's move into a precinct where he has a really, really high fatality rate. Mm-hmm. Because we yeah, well, he is in danger, so that we can use his body if he does get hurt. Yeah, yeah, and and uh, it's it's funny. I didn't I didn't make that connection myself, but you're absolutely right. I I picked up more on the I I took that more as because he says like I, we've we've got you know applicants da 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 da, uh, and then when he gets in the elevator with uh, his friend afterwards, uh, he he says something like, "Now we just got to wait for some poor bastard to volunteer." Yeah, and so I kind of took it as him being this kind of uh, uber yuppie go-getter epitome of that era of, of, of thinking, um, which I think is is still kind of around and is coming around or, or showing itself in a different way nowadays with this, the rise of like entrepreneurship and stuff. Like you got to, you got to hustle every day. This was the kind of progenitor to that with the like businessmen where reading um, like books about martial arts and shit and talking <laughs> about like corporate takeovers and like, calling each other killers and stuff and like that's how it works in the big leagues you know you see a thing you go for it and that sort of thing yeah um i took that as him like doing all that stuff but just really banking on like fuck it someone will die like we'll, we'll figure it out like mm, he yeah. didn't have someone in, in in mind or whatever yeah so it is i still thought of it as as a thing that was kind of by chance but i guess you're right they they would have had multiple people kind of you know it, it's it's by chance that it was him but it's not by chance that it was a cop you know yeah. like um and funny little um uh, side that is explored in the second Robocop film. One of the reasons why he's the perfect applicant is because mm. of his Catholicism beliefs. Because when they're trying in the second Robocop, they're trying to like make a new Robocop because it's all like, oh, people don't care about Robocop anymore. We need to make like the bigger and better sequel to Robocop. And everyone right. they keep trying to build into a Robocop keeps killing themselves and committing suicide because of like <laughs> the existential horror of it all. Um, and so, <laughs> that's really funny. That's really funny because, so like, watching this suicide is, is like the the worst sin you could ever uh, do. Yeah, yeah, is yeah. You end up in, why, the, in the, the the woods, dude. Yeah, that's the reason why Murphy is like the perfect person for to be because he won't kill himself. That's yep. really fucking funny because, like, there is such a like there are parallels between like the story of, of Christ and, and resurrection and shit in this, like um, Paul Verhoeven himself says in, in interviews and stuff that he saw Murphy as like an American Jesus. <laughs> and at the end he's, he's, you know, American Jesus using his gun and shit. So what that's I was, really cool. So what I was talking about um, in terms of setup with Ed 209, the level of crazy violence and it gives us, it gives us like a baseline of this is what, this level of military hardware is. Mm. And then we get Murphy getting blown to shit with shotguns. Mm-hmm. And it's a similar level of like barrage of bullets. And we see the same thing happen to him that we saw yep. happen to the business like yeah. guy. Yeah. Um, but it's, that uh, essentially kills him. I think it's sadder watching like the Murphy's death plays out like takes so long to for him to actually die and he's screaming the whole time and they hold on it for so long and it's just uh shot in such a 
an uncompromising kind of way. They don't, um, or at least in the director's cut, in the in the theatrical cut, they they toned it down. But in the director's cut, like they don't cut away from it, they That's don't shy why away I told from you it. To watch the director's cut. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which I did because um, it's just a good extra five minutes of gore, like that got chopped yeah, out. That's basically yeah, yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's uh, absolutely sadder from Murphy. I just mean more yeah, as a yeah. um, setting the stakes and a ground floor for levels of action and what makes it a good action movie without all of the um I think what's really good is that it's this it's this big spectacle 80s action movie sci-fi on the surface mm. level but the base level has this like it's this huge level of satire and complete like oh like a, a caricature of mm-hmm. all of those things um, and I think that's what makes it interesting to come back and actually look at and go oh look it's like it was a balls to the wall action spectacle movie that was really entertaining, but there's more to mm. it to actually break break down into. Um, Definitely, yeah, and I think the violence is uh, it being so over the top and, and gratuitous is kind of. Uh, I, I watched a I was watching a, a video essay about it about uh, Paul Verhoeven's um, approach to violence and it being this like where other movies will show like someone gets shot and they just go down or like you don't see the, you don't feel the impact. You feel the impact of, of Paul Verhoeven's violence. Yeah, that's right. He said in, in Robocop, uh, the making of that, he wants the audience to see the consequence of every single bullet shot. So like every single yep. time Robocop shoots someone, we see yep. a cutaway of the squib exploding and like them actually mm. getting shot not just yeah people falling down like you say yeah yeah it's while it's while it's heightened and and ridiculous i feel like it's somehow less hollywood sort of because it's it's poking fun at, at it because it's like it's glorifying the well it's like what we already glorify the action in the in these action movies but it takes mm. it to that really like uncomfortable level of like yay we're cheering because yeah, robocops yeah. like shooting a guy in the dick and like people are fucking exploding and and yep. stuff like that and yep. audiences sit there and like clap and eat their popcorn and go yay he's a hero and you're like yeah, this is yeah. fucking disgusting <laughs> It's funny because it it makes the violence maybe it makes the violence less realistic because it is this cartoonish, very comic bookish level of violence. But it makes the horror of that violence more realistic. Like if you saw yeah. someone get shot, when you see someone get shot in a, in a James Bond movie or in the new RoboCop, it doesn't hold any weight. You don't go, like, "Ooh, fuck." You know, even yeah. if it's a if, if it's a bad guy, whereas in here, every person who gets killed, you go like, "Oh, you feel it. It's visceral." Totally, and that's what I that's what I'm saying about like we get to see that happen to Murphy, mm-hmm. and how visceral that is. And then yeah. once he becomes RoboCop, yeah, yeah, everyone's shooting him, and it's just ting, 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 bouncing off. Yeah, um, and so yeah, we get it's just this complete uh, like juxtaposed image of him in this metal armor, just being mm. completely fucking bulletproof. And then just like the disgusting levels of like blood and gore that he's inflicting yeah. on these people, and we're like, yeah. "Yay, he's a super cop. He's the hero. <laughs> this is the, yeah. the 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 solution to awful overrun crime." Is you know like a judge dread. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, and and I think two things. Just touching on that, like you said, it it does. It sets the bar of like this is the level of violence, this is the level of brutality that we're going to be seeing in this action movie, and and you kind of go like, huh, okay, yeah, no, I'm down with that, I'm down to clown with that, huh, you know, I'm 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 hip, you know, and that was just some schleb in an in an office, you know, and yeah. and it was played for laughs, like, 
it'll be fine. And then you see it, that violence inflicted on your protagonist, like 20 minutes into the movie um, and, and not played for laughs. Like, and you go, oh, oh, fuck. Like you realize like, oh, this, this level of violence, like it is, it's funny when it's happening to, uh, you know, the other, the, the, the person we don't give a shit about. But that same violence inflicted on someone we do care about is is shocking and, and horrible. Yeah, totally. Because we've had a little nice little just quick moments to get to know him where he's um he's like all like playful with with um Lewis. Um, yes. She says she'll drive and he's like, I normally drive when I'm breaking in a partner and he's spinning his gun around his finger yeah, and he's like, yeah. Oh, my son loves this DJ laser show. I want to be a good role model for him. So Obviously, like I got to learn how to spin the gun like that. Yeah, um, and Which then is we a get- cool, cool little like visual, like little motifs to bring back character. Yeah. and then we get like back. a couple of little flashbacks to him with his family, mm-hmm. just enough to so that it, it yeah, it's pr- it's pretty early on to our, his introduction that he gets killed, but it's yeah, yeah, it comes with the weight and with that um that empathy behind it. I just realized I didn't say the second thing but uh, that I was uh, alluding to earlier but I I think this this is a good point to bring it up. The stuff with the flashbacks with the um with the family and kind family, of this whole family, movie has family. this really comic book feel to it. Like I uh, and, and it reading into it uh, not surprising to find that uh he was loosely inspired by Judge Dredd, yeah. Judge Dredd comics. But watching this I was getting with the with the satirical elements and and the the composition and the um, the way that characters, when they're in pain, like they they really like gurn. Like you see, you know, <laughs> there's that shot where it's panning around him as he's getting shot up and shot to hell. And I think it's I, I don't think it's actually uh, the actor. No, wincing. no, that's it right. It looks they're, like a prosthetic. When that camera like, moves, swings around, it's um, yeah, it's a model because that's the the, the hero the model, shot where the head gets blown open. Well, it, it looks like something out of a Garth Ennis comic. Like I'm getting notes of um like. Preacher in Transmetropolitan, which is a Warren Ellis comic, but I, 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 I would not be surprised if those comics took like inf- influence or inspiration from what RoboCop does. I would be surprised because from what I know about the guy that makes Preacher like satire, he makes Preacher and, and the Boys especially. Yeah, yeah, that's like with what the Boys is sort of much more about. Like the Boys is his only take on actual superhero media because he kind of mm. hates it and that shows mm. in the boys and that's what the boys is about um, yep. and that's very much what this this has also got that that same level of like oh you know how we always glorify this shit this is the this is actually not good and it's bad yes yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so that's yeah it's a logical yes logical connection um the reveal of the was it ed 209 yeah is so fucking Cool, like it, it is. It is goofy and and comic booky, and it does look like a big toy. Yeah, because it's stop motion. But it's so it's so charming. It's, it's dated a little bit, but it it still looks pretty good. Yeah, and I love the the sounds and stuff. Like it's all so creative. Like it really feels like they were having fun with with every aspect of it. Like they're like, yeah, of course this shit's goofy. Yeah, let's lean into it. So the the oh, well, we see that makes when like he, uh, later on in the movie and like roars and shit. Yeah, he's got a roar one, and later <laughs> on in the movie he falls down the stairs and fucking yeah. like <laughs> yeah, which is which is a cool. Like, he's a Tyrannosaurus. Like he's got little. Like you could he's got read little T-Rex it, arms. Yeah, you could read it as. Uh, like in another movie that might come out uh, out of left field and be kind of a tonal clash or whatever. But here, because comedy is is such a, an established part of this movie and 
satire is such a well-established part of this movie that when that happens, it's not just a goofy thing. It's the fact that uh, I think the um, the guy who did the stop motion in an interview uh, described the Ed 209's design as utilitarianly stupid <laughs> or having this utilitarian stupidity about it. And that is, that's the gag is that they've gone, you know, we've got this killing machine. It's, it's, Weapons grade, it's fucking military grade uh, hardware, and you know it'll fuck anyone, anything up, anyone up. As Dick Jones says, you know who cares if it didn't work? Yeah, he's got all these contracts and stuff. Yeah, um, but nobody thought what happens when it comes to stairs. Yeah, yeah, no one. That's, no that's one fucking thought of great. That like it's a it's a good gag that also serves the plot and the the themes and and the world. Yeah, totally. That you know, built. We should talk about the uh, the the chase scene where. Uh, pre just prior to yeah. the shooting of of um of Murphy, we get that wonderful chase scene of uh, and we're introduced to the villains. Uh, what's the oh, I've forgotten his name. Um, Clarence Clarence Bodica Bodica, yeah. ridiculously cool villain. Yeah, and like just these whole in, crew. in how in how uncool he is. Yeah. Like he looks like someone's dad. Yeah, he totally or like, does. Or, or like a high school teacher that's just <laughs> fucking gone rogue. And he 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 plays it with such fucking like perverse glee. It's really really cool. Yeah, he does. And um, yeah, because his his crew that are with him are more like they look the part. They're like they're hip and cool looking. Yeah, yeah, they're the cool eighties. Yeah, they've Crime got the, the, the leather jackets and the dude's got, like, the piercings and the fucking beard and the cool hair the, and there's the... The beret. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but uh, Clarence... And even the name, Clarence. Yeah. It's, like, it's such an unintimidating name. Uh, yeah, and it's the, like the way he looks the, and stuff. But the he's the boss. truly fucking, like, scary dude in the crew. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the mob boss that runs all the crime in old Detroit is named Clarence. Mm. Yeah, exactly. I love his um, all these um, little like idiosyncrasies that Kurtwood Smith brings to that character of like him always like chewing gum, being kind of like having this like Daffy Duck, like old school Daffy Duck approach to to crime. It's always a little bit wacky when he's talking with the other fucking coke boss or whatever and he like puts mm. the, his fingers in the guy's wine and like sniffs <laughs> the wine yeah. and stuff. He just does bizarre shit because he can because yeah. it's like, are you going to fucking stop me? Yeah. And that makes like that weirdness, those those little uh, idiosyncrasies make him more scary and more intimidating. That's just like um whatever. It always grossed me out when I was young and I watched it when he's um killing, he's come to Bob's house when he has the two ladies over and, 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 and tells the bitches him. to leave. Yeah, he tells the bitches to leave. <laughs> what, what's wrong with me? <laughs> I forgot to mention. Bitches leave. <laughs> um, and he's <laughs> got you. the grenade and he sort of like jingles it and then he puts his like, he pulls the pin out with his tongue. Yeah, oh, it's, it's really- not just it's, with it's, his teeth. It's like he grabs it with his tongue first and then pulls the pin out with his teeth. It's just a little bit sexual. It's, yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable. Really, it's really grossed me out. <laughs> yeah. It's really uncomfortable. I also love the little, when you were saying his idiosyncrasies, it reminded me, he's got like the little like Coke machine that like has like a little nostril thing that he likes. It's like, like a Coke in. vape. Yeah. That he, <laughs> and I love those little, um, those 80s sci-fi world building things of like, oh, what can we like put in this to make it look like it's the future? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah, oh, what yeah. If so they've people got like had the, little, the location tracker and shit yeah, later on. Yeah, the location on. tracker is funny because it's like, oh, what if you had a little handheld 
screen that showed you something and like yeah. the prop is just uh it just has a red led like a little red light bulb in the middle yes, and it's really yes. obvious it looks like a kid's toy it looks like something you'd buy from like a two dollar shop and that's so funny that it's like man they didn't have the tech to just have that where now you could just like kit bash a open, bunch of stuff onto a smartphone maps. Yeah. and just have a video playing on a phone and it's yeah. just like no nah, they couldn't exactly. do that then um i also love when they're getting coffee it's like square cups <laughs> Square cups. In the future, we'll have square cups for our disposable <laughs> coffee. Just like wow. silly little things like that that they throw yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. That makes it really it cool. It works. And also the fact that the cops wear fucking like bulletproof vests that make them look yeah, like fucking Kevlar. space marines and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Which again is where the like police force in America is kind of at again. Yeah. Uh, so we get that whole sequence in the warehouse. We're, we're introduced to all the villains. Lewis is kind of a little bit inept here. Like she's chewing gut. She blows a bubble that that gets I thought the it was dude's supposed attention. To be more, like, yeah, it's badass. It's like she knows she's got him, so she pops the bubble because uh, she's already got the okay. gun on him, and he's like yeah. with his pants down, literally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. So it was like a cool cop moment. But then he's but like, then she, mind but, if I zip then. this up? <laughs> and he's like, come on, you know you want to look at this fat hog. She's like, <laughs> just she's like, just the struggle. Just uh, like, I mean, she she has a cheeky glance. You can't you can't blame her. Yep, and that was her downfall. You know, and then that ultimately, <laughs> ultimately, poetically, one might say, <laughs> led to her downfall. I love his, that dude's laugh as well. It's so funny. They're like, <laughs> yeah, a little fucking gremlin laugh, dude. Yep. And there's the the villain uh, who. Uh, comes back later and is like, we killed you and stuff. We yeah, introduced yeah. to him. He's smoking the the like the like highlighter yellow cigarette. I don't know if that was something of the time or if that was another attempt at being like, future. Yeah, um, maybe. But he's he's watching the, the shit sitcom that yeah. everyone in the future loves. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. But it's just great. And it seems like everyone's watching the same episode. It feels like it's the same show, the uh, yeah. same run of the same show. I don't know if that's a mixture of um, like they shot one fake episode and then they just like cut up little different parts to show it throughout yeah. the movie. Yeah, and they think yeah, like, yeah. oh, it looks like that'll look enough different that it doesn't seem all like the same episode. But I'm sure there was an element that it's like, yeah, it's the same crap shit all the time. It's sort of like that. Um, It sort of reminds me of when they're in Back to the Future and they're watching the rerun of and they're like, this is the one when Ralph dresses up from the man from space. What you see on the screen is so just like mundane but they're like yep. losing their shit and like cackling yeah, yeah, like yeah, crazy yeah. and yeah. i think that's what sort of that's the paul verhoven like looking at the americans from the outside yeah, being like these exactly these dumb fucking americans <laughs> laughing at their like shitty comedy like fucking idiots i do love idiots. how hard everyone who watches that in the show yeah, laughs just laughs. in the movie sorry laughs at it like the dude at uh, the convenience store yeah, later on, the liquor store and doing stuff. that like doing that like <laughs> like really fucking obnoxiously loud laughing. Yeah. So of course Murphy gets shot to bits, uh, and we get all those like that that sequence where they're operating on him is is really weird and uh, kind of uncomfortable to watch because yeah, there's so really much like well. wide angle like almost fisheye looking shit. It makes it feel kind of dreamlike and. I don't know, with the camera getting so... Because you 
I guess it's the sort of thing that subconsciously you you feel it as a as a viewer if you don't know shit about cameras. But if you know about cameras, you're looking at like the wide lens and you're like, fuck, they had to get right in this dude's face. <laughs> you're really invading this guy's personal space while he's like being operated on and shit. Like it is it is kind of gross and the, totally, the lens but it distorts works, and it looks got alien. Like five people all with the hands huddled in, over him, like it, that hands well. inside him and shit. It's it's really yeah, no, it, it works really well. Like the nurses and the doctors die. Dialogue sort of echoes the same like corporate America, like they're assholes and they don't really give a shit. They're so like yeah. blase about it. They're yeah. like, yeah. it's not like a, it doesn't feel like, oh, they're keeping calm because they're professionals. They're like, all right, like we're not getting anything from him. Just like shock him a flat line and we'll call it. Yes. And you're like, oh, dude, that's fucking brutal. Yeah, that cutthroat corporate kind of attitude has infiltrated every aspect of, of living, it seems. We also get similar to like the wacky news reports is just uh Robocop's point of view, the camera as they're building him. Oh, and we get yeah, the little yeah, montage yeah. of like t- as time passes and they're like, we're able mm-hmm. to save the arm. And he's like, what the fuck? Get rid of that fucking arm. Like yeah, just yeah. the complete, like that's the other, like this really strong theme in the film is like how like the corporate world is like so disgustingly morally bankrupt that they don't mm. see employees as people they see them as products and everyone's yeah, commodities yeah, yeah and this complete like detachment from human life that they're like well why would we want to save his arm we need yeah. him we agreed on 100 percent prosthesis yeah totally and it's just yeah like just disgusting but mm-hmm. also really funny and he, he arrives at the police station and all the cops yes. are going nuts yeah um, that is cool and you hear the sound effects and peter willow man he's um, physical performance in the role is so good. He he does he does an excellent job. Like I think it's really I, I really underrated. It. People think like oh he's only in the movie for like the first five minutes with his like people people generally equate oh you can't see his face he's not uh, acting then. Yeah yeah true. But yeah, like he yeah, no, but he, he was he looking brings- at the costume or something I think in the special features they said and he was like took like a month like physically working out. And like rehearsing of like how Robocop yeah. should move and stuff like that. Well, with- he studied. He studied with like a mime. Uh, yeah, that's artist. right. Yeah, it was a mime artist. Yeah, the f- like what the physical limitations of the suit were and how that mm. became a like vocabulary of movements to use. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's fucking awesome. And when it when it's when his physical performance is matched with the just the Robocop walking sound effects and like the leg mm. servo mm. kind of movements, it's just so cool. Yeah, and it is cornball, and it is uh, like it almost when he's um, in pain or, or like later in the movie oh, when where he's having um, the dream and stuff, the nightmare. Yeah, like it is. It does have this like sixties uh, Batman kind of quality to it. Yeah. Like it is. It is very. It is goofy looking, um, but it works with the goofiness and the the again comic book kind of nature of all these other aspects of the film. So it all kind of works together in this gloriously camp and Yeah, it is. It's so glorious. Ultimately man. really effective package. It never like sways too far where you're like, oh man, that was really out of like out of character or that felt yeah. sort of flat. Yeah. It's really oh, cohesive. I, yeah, it is. Like even and and we'll get into like there's aspects that I while watching was like, ah, I don't know about that. But then thinking back on it, I'm like, shit, I don't know if they could have done that any better. And I don't know that cutting that would have made the film less effective in the end. So that's interesting. It, I wanna, it is just yeah. really tight. I want to hear what you have to say because yeah. So like 
the it's not this uh, it's not like a gig- huge really complicated plot like once we sort of uh, see Robocop in his finished form we get like mm. the funny montage of all the little crimes he's going out and stopping like the yep. liquor store um, the woman that the dudes are going to rape and he shoots him in the yeah. dick and I then love she's that just fucking line thank you madam you have suffered an emotional shock I will notify a rape crisis center it's just so funny being able to have that tension where it does actually feel like, oh, shit, this woman's in danger and you do feel, like, really awkward f- yeah. for that and then, yeah, just taking it to that level straight straight away afterwards. Yeah, And it's still yeah. fucking landing. And it, it landing, I think, is the important thing because it oh, is, totally. a, like, it, it is the sort of thing that you could look back on and, and, and in another film, I think probably another film done by an American director it would feel distasteful. Uh, again, the the um, anthropological kind of approach that that Paul Verhoeven has to this, like, you know, is this what you Americans like? Is it okay? <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it serves the film uh, across the board. I really like all the the little things of uh, Bob Bob kind of flexing on like the police in the in the station and stuff. Yeah, but we know that he's like. Really, just a kind of limp dick who's yeah crawled like, his way up the corporate ladder or whatever. Very similar to um, Chet Manley, where it, when he's yes. back at, in the office, he's he's not high up there. He's only just gotten access to the executives' lounge. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. then when he goes out to the the precinct, he's yep. like, "Yo, we own you. Shut the fuck up." Yeah, yeah, yeah. This well, is OCP by that business. Point, piss yeah, off. Totally, totally. And by that point in the movie, by this point in the movie, where he's he's flexing in the in the police officer's uh, face and stuff. He kind of does have that little bit of status back at at um yeah. at, at headquarters. Yeah, yeah, he's um, he's on the rise. But we see in the in the montage of them putting him together, and and we're all se- we're seeing it all from Robocop's perspective. Uh, the bit where they're showing the like bionic arm that they're going to attach to him. Yeah. Um, and it like crushes his hand, and he's like all like eh, fuck. Yeah. Uh, but then when everyone else is gone, he like leans down into the camera. He's like, "You're gonna be a bad motherfucker." And he's like trying to be tough and shit, but he's just. Not yeah, he's just a suit. The the montage of uh, Robocop. I was I almost said curing crime, uh, <laughs> solving crimes uh, in 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 his very Robocop way of just like going in there and getting it done. Yeah, it's exactly. really cool. It's the, the it's that um it's like the everything that people had a problem with Man of Steel of like the collateral damage shit. That's like what the joke is that. He goes exactly. into the liquor store and, like, the entire place gets shot the fuck up because the dude's, like, yeah. shooting at Robocop and the bullets are ricocheting off and, like, and he destroying. destroys almost every single thing in the shop. But they're like, oh, yeah. thank you. He throws so many people through glass in this fucking movie, dude, and and pulls the dude through the wall and, like... Yeah, that's really funny. Yeah. At the mayor's uh, office. Especially that that sequence in the, the mayor's office is great. The guy who's holding the mayor hostage is uh, what is he? He's a uh, he's a politician of some sort. Yeah, because he lost his like local election and he wants That's a recount. Right. Yeah, yeah, and, and he's he wants, like the, he wants the new car. The yeah. the what is it like the six hundred SUX or whatever yeah, it's SUX. called six thousand. That where you get the awesome payoff of a stop motion dinosaur in the commercial for it later on, <laughs> <laughs> and then we get some the the. The seemingly unrelated newscast kind of thing from earlier comes back, and they're talking about RoboCop, and that's really cool. And we get more ads. I think is this where we get the ad for uh, Nukem? Nukem. Nukem. 
get them before they get you. Another quality home game from Butler Brothers. Yep. <laughs> That's it. No more international aid. <laughs> Shit like that is so good. And you haven't dismantled so your atomic, atomic stockpile. <laughs> like it feels like that is expanded and and leaned into so much harder in in Starship Troopers. Yeah. Um, which I think is is so cool. It reminds me a lot of um, I, I think my first exposure to that kind of comedy or that like lampooning of of commercialism and and capitalism and stuff was in Grand Theft Auto, in Grand Theft Auto 3 and Vice City and San Andreas on the radio, yeah. the radio ads yeah, would I think have this like... Grand Theft Auto, it's a, it is a very similar thing that they're going for, but their writing of the characters is where mm-hmm. it like falls really short and like the, caric- yeah. the caricatures well, that the, they create are really... Yeah, the stories that they're, they're telling are these like very gritty, occasionally with like tongue-in-cheek elements, but ultimately... It's it's like playing through a, a, an HBO series or whatever, but the radio ads are these like cartoonish, ridiculous things. This is much more. This is a much more cohesive uh, yeah, exactly. thing overall. This the the wacky lampooning works with the the rest of the film. Yeah, totally. I think that the GTA stuff is tonally that's what they're going for, and they hit it with the radio commercials well. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the rest of the game. It's satire, yeah. hand quotes, is mm. like really, really poor excuse for like the game to happen. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Bob Morton again after after showing off Robocop in the police station and all that, he's now he's now on the news. There's a new guy in town. His name's Robocop. And then we get to see him using the uh, executive bathroom yep. back at, at, at was it o- OCP? Yep. On Sane Clown Posse. Um <laughs> Which is it, it, like this great, um, again, look at that uber yuppie kind of uh, mindset of the 80s, which we see in. Um, yeah, because they both uh, go to pull it, We out see their it in, in like American Psycho as well, like at with the, the same time. And they're like, ha, 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 we've both got cuts to the executive lounge. Yeah, exactly, Let's just chew exactly. them together and chortle. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, this, it, it's this kind of American Psycho kind of. Shit yeah, going on, yeah, but then they totally go in like and, with their fucking business and, cards. Exactly, exactly. It's 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 got a watermark. Speaking of watermark, great gag in this bit where they're talking shit about uh, uh, about um, Dick, Dick Jones, and they're uh, about all fucking, Dick Jones. He's in the bathroom. He's in the he's toilet in the cubicle. bathroom, and he comes out, and the guy the guy who he's been talking shit with turns around, sees him, and zips up mid piss, <laughs> and there's that great shot of him like with like piss all over his fucking pants, and he's like, oh, I, I gotta go. It's so so such a great visual representation of uh, these dudes being all talk. Yeah. Like ultimately, just being like scared little boys who will piss themselves when the bigger dog shows up. Yeah. I think something cool that I, I didn't really, really, uh, of course, click to because I didn't have the the context for it as a kid, um, or even just rewatching it. But digging into the behind the scenes stuff, a lot of the performers, a lot of the actors in this movie, like Nancy Allen, was previously more known for her kind of bitchy high school girl character in like uh, Carrie. Oh yeah. Um, at the time, and and um, uh, being in, I want to hold your hand and stuff like that. Whereas in and and having being known for having quite like big curly hair, Paul Verhoeven's first note was like, "Hey, cut your hair." Yeah. And then this, she's kind of a bit of a badass, and and you know, like you said, is, is kicking ass and taking names. She's with got her that gun Ripley haircut. Gun. 
Exactly. Um, and similarly, Ronnie Cox playing Dick Jones, previous to this, most of his performances had been as someone who was the total opposite of this. Yeah. Had been this kind, kindly old man. So here he got to cut sick and be like, what's he? He like grabs the back of Bob's hair and he's yeah. like, you fucked with the wrong guy or whatever. It's tough, man. Yeah, totally. And it's just like um, Clarence Boddicker as well. Like you say, like he's the dad from that 70s show. Like most of the time yeah. he's not cast as a fucking crime lord, <laughs> drug exactly. prostitution peddling dude. Yep, yep. He really gave uh, all of the, the people in this movie a lot to do, a lot of fun shit to do. Um, and because of the comic book nature of it, they're all able to really lean into those performances and heighten it, you know? Yeah. Uh, something I love about this movie as well is like the balls to the wall soundtrack. There's that... Um, Oh, what's the the march? Oh, that march, dude. Yeah. There's there's this like the the more popular um, way of scoring a movie that's come around recently is that like oh no the the audience shouldn't like notice the soundtrack. We don't want to take attention away from mm. what's on screen or what's being said. So we'll just have these like really ambiguously just like oh here's this sort of it's a sad toned piece, and we'll just sort of mm-hmm. give them like this really generic tone that sort of tells the audience what emotion they're trying to feel, but it doesn't like resonate where this has that classic like theme. That's just like unmistakable you hear mm. it straight away. And you're just like, boom. Yeah. And yep. um, appropriately, everything else is fucking like full on and over the top. So you need this like glorious, like it, it's very, it's a, like it, it is very much like a superhero sort of thing. Like that's his exactly. Superman I mean, theme. We don't this, hear it th- until he becomes Robocop himself. There's that totally. other really nice um, sort of like spooky, wistful, like mysterious kind of piece of music that first gets introduced when they're at the warehouse. Um, and then we get that recurring throughout um, whenever there's a little moment of like him remembering something or having a little bit of his ident- human identity challenged again mm-hmm. from Lewis. Like when mm-hmm. she notices that Robocop does the spin gun thing and puts it inside yes. of his leg to holster yep. it, she's like... She clicks right away. She's like, "That that's like Murphy. That's Murphy. That's my boy Murph. Um, I think it, it totally works. The the over-the-top kind of bombastic soundtrack totally works here because, like you said, the rest of the movie is so over-the-top and bombastic. Something like, uh, like a John Carpenter soundtrack, like the fucking They Live soundtrack or whatever, would have slowed this movie to a crawl mm. like, or would have felt it so at odds with, um, with the rest of the piece. Like the soundtrack here really uh, drives things along. Yeah, um, it just, in certain points. It really helps, like, add that extra layer of glorifying the action. Yeah, yeah. It's because we're, adds- we're hearing the stuff that we're normally supposed to hear when it's, like, the the, the triumphant glory yeah. glory stuff and it's just this, like, yeah, killing, it, it, shooting I think it, drug lords. I think it helps to add, um, like, a believable sense of drama to an otherwise very goofy fucking thing, <laughs> yeah. you know? Like some, the the music is so over the top that you kind of go like, yeah, fuck yeah, Robocop, but he's walking like a fucking mime, like it's yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> um, yeah, it is. It's such a weird like, just recipe for everything that everything just gels and together. Where one thing you go, oh, that would take it over the edge, and then it's like, no, the music it brings it back and it it contextualizes yeah. everything. Yeah, just it, keeps it, it being- feeling like all good. It it has this schlocky kind of feel to it that. 
you would see aspects of this movie in other movies that are deemed schlock and that are deemed, you know, B movies and and stuff that you watch because oh, it's so bad, it's good and stuff like this. Whereas, like, no, this is just good. This is just plain good. This is it's good schlocky, schlock. but it's on purpose. Well, it's it's yeah, it's schlock. It's schlock with uh, purpose and de- depth. Yeah, self aware. Yeah. So we get the the like we said earlier, the kind of like Batman. Like Adam West, Batman, uh, him him having the dream um, of his murder in the chair and being like, hur, hur. Uh, he gets up and goes walk about and starts to try and figure out his uh, like where these memories are coming from. This is where I find myself getting a little bit fidgety. I'm still entertained, mm-hmm. but it's 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 a thing that we've talked about previously and that I I find myself more aware of and more. Um, not irritated by in this case, but just distracted by is they're like, okay, come on, come on, get on with it. Like we know what the protagonist is taking fucking ages to discover. Yeah. And this is a thing where I was, I was, I was thinking that, um, and I haven't, I haven't come to a, a definitive conclusion here, but I'd love to hear your thoughts of like a reordering of scenes a, a little bit so that we don't, that that we are introduced to RoboCop as this cop, and then later on we see the stuff that happens earlier, the introductions of of Murphy and stuff as flashbacks or something like, so that there is a bit of mystery for us, the viewer as well. Like here, it feels like the mystery is all there for RoboCop, but we we already know the answer, and and we're just kind of waiting for him to catch up. Yeah, I get what you mean. That's really interesting because I was thinking of it in terms of when you just mentioned that, I was going to say I f- I understand what you mean by it feels like there's sort of a dip, um, here, but I. I don't know if rearranging like the beginning mm. is a good because I think that's something where we we know sitting down to watch this movie he is going to become RoboCop. Yes, and I think that's something that the first act does really well that we're not come on tapping our feet going come on become RoboCop already. Mm. Um, maybe just something as simple as like like you said the 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 ginger guy um, who's robbing the the petrol station. Yeah, and RoboCop just happens to come across him as he's out driving around because he had that nightmare of himself getting killed, mm. and then that sort of gives him like a thread to go on. Maybe if mm. that was uh, like the tail end of his glorious crime fighting montage. Yeah, yeah, maybe, and that's maybe what spurs on him to have that nightmare. Is that it, it, that was that little hint that reminded him of something? Yeah, yeah, totally, and I think. Um because then we get the after he blows up the petrol station and oh fuck what's that that this movie is just so full of great uh great lines that I feel like I've heard referenced in in other things or sampled in in uh tracks uh the um you have 20 seconds to comply of yep. course being used in 20 seconds to comply with silver bullet uh but the oh you're smart huh you know you think you can outsmart a bullet <laughs> um I swear I've heard that in like a rob zombie track or something um, but after that, he goes back to the uh, the police station, goes into the like the, the computers, room. yeah, and plays the the clip of the dude being like, you know, we killed you, and uses his face to like match it to all these dudes, and finds out like uh, that you know this is the guy who murdered him, and uh, you know the, this guy's wanted for the murder of Murphy. Murphy is him and he's deceased. And that's this big, like they play it up. The soundtrack is like, you know, dun, 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 like really, really playing this moment up. But I'm kind of sitting there like, yep, yep, yep. No, I know. 
yeah, I get it. And then we get the stuff of him going back to his house and, and, and all that. And that's that's cool. I really like that sequence of him going back to his house and, and looking around the place and the fact that they don't explore it any more than him just going back to his his old house that he remembers being occupied with these loved ones. That he can, has this, this funny notion of these loved ones at least. But them just not being there. There's no like, you know, oh, Murphy, what did they do to you? I waited, but oh, oh I was just too distraught. You know, uh, you know. Yeah, I know what you mean. Timmy has a new dad now. <laughs> <laughs> um, like all that shit. They they don't bother with it. She ends up, uh, she's actually dating to- the actor who plays DJ, DJ Laser now. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's there to um DJ Lace is my new dad. A new um, male role model. Yeah, exactly. Um it's there to emphasize that he's having this struggle with his identity and these memories that he doesn't even know uh, you know where they've come from or if they're his or whatever. I think it serves a really good really good purpose and stuff, but I feel like I'm looking at I'm looking at this thing and I'm thinking Maybe if they cut the like his introduction at the police station, like go from the news report straight into the boardroom, um, and then from the the dude getting shot in the boardroom, he says, you know, oh, there's going to be someone, someone will volunteer soon enough. Uh, we just got to wait for some poor bastard to volunteer or whatever, and then we cut to this dude being operated on, um, and then bring those scenes back into the movie later. Like I feel like maybe that work, but maybe that would would fuck with the overall flow of the movie. I don't know. Maybe uh, the that that like eliminating that that scene in the police station earlier on. No, you know what? It wouldn't because we get we get uh, people keep repeating about the the cops wanting to go on strike. Yeah, and that's sort of established. Work that. That's like that's established and it's brought important. back multiple times. So it's not like a a thing that we wouldn't hear about if not for that. Yeah, it's sort of interesting. I get what you're saying. I never. I think, like, yeah, it's a valid point that it feels sort of slow and in that. It's never really bothered yeah. me the same way. No, I, again, I, I think it's... I, I kind I think of it's- like that that we know because I enjoy, like, watching his performance and okay. it's it's that existential realisation that he's having and I like mm. how that's explored and that it's the, the, the theme of him becoming, like, from human to product and then, like, regaining his humanity again by the end of the movie. Mm. So I like yep. experiencing I, I mean, that along guess, with him. Yeah, I guess that's the that's the idea of the film. It's it's a it's a film about a man who is turned into a product and then ha- has to kind of find, still find, like manage to wrestle with his humanity or, or find some humanity within him and find some individual individuality in him and act on that. It's not about a dude who finds or a robot who finds out he was a man. That's a different movie. Yeah. Um, so I guess the, the, I, I wouldn't reorder it. It's just as a, as a viewer, I get hung up on that, you know, knowing something that the protagonist doesn't know and waiting for them to catch up. That's, that's something that I always find has me fidgeting a little bit, mm. but I'm, I'm still thoroughly entertained this whole, this whole section because it is such a fucking beautiful package. Yeah. I think something that isn't introduced that's interesting that the audience doesn't know is that, Clarence Boddicker is actually working for Dick Jones. I think that's, that's a, a cool really twist. great That is a twist really cool twist. Yes, ties absolutely. Together the, the crime of the city with the corporations are like responsible and like don't care and that the whole plan is uh, we're going to start building Delta City. Like there, there's going to be millions of jobs and all these people living in trailers doing construction work. They're going to be customers for you with drugs and exactly. prostitution. Exactly. That, that, and that, those- that corporate evil runs so deep. Yeah, that it, it that it influences the crime and that those things mm. go hand in hand is yep. really great. 
is really cool. Um, another thing that uh, is cool, the sequence where we get that reveal after the after the bitches leave, after the um, the very of the time sequence where he goes into the dance club and finds one of the other lackeys. <laughs> and, yeah, well, he sort uh, of just goes tries on to one kick by him in the nuts, gets and, like, all the lackeys. Foot. But after that sequence where the uh, bitches leave, Clarence puts the video message from Dick in Bob's like you yeah. know, video player or whatever. It's on a disc. They predicted DVDs. <laughs> yeah, true. That's right. So yeah, he didn't have to navigate tape. through menus and shit. So, you know. I think having Bob in there and having Bob get killed is a is a cool thing too because we really don't like sympathize with him. No, not at, at all. all. I like that it's just uh, you kind of go, you got what you 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 got what you deserve. Like Dick was his um, antagonist, but he, like he wasn't actually our protagonist. So yeah, Dick no was like this villain there, but now he needs to become Robocop's villain. So let's get rid of Bob. Let's just fucking kill him off, whatever. And it's like, yeah, yeah. sure, that works fine. Who cares? Yeah, Bob. Bob thinks he's this uh, this go getter and this big dog who's gonna you know climb up and stuff. But ultimately, he's just a he's he's as much a cog as as um as as Murphy and the the rest of the cops and and everyone else in this fucking movie. Yeah. So I think it works well that we can kill him, get rid of him, and then discover mm-hmm. that Clarence is working with Dick Jones. So now RoboCop's going after Dick Jones. Yeah. And it still feels like a satisfying like it doesn't feel like a plot thread was sort of. Like characters were introduced in certain scenes for context, and then they don't have a like a full arc or anything. It doesn't matter. It's like they've served their purpose. Yeah. But now I think everything everything we know everything we learn about Bob and every interaction we see him have reinforces the fact that this dude doesn't have a this dude doesn't have character. He has traits, mm. but he's not a he's not a character. He's not a a human that we care about. Yeah. Like to think. That if Robocop, yeah, Clarence was the one that killed him. If he just went after all those lackeys and killed them all, mm-hmm. then he would be like, I've had revenge. Mm. But then Dick Jones wouldn't be having anything to do with Robocop. So maybe Dick kills Bob and then it's like, what happens to Dick? Well, the, the, that doesn't really tie up the movie particularly like satisfyingly. So mm-hmm. interweaving those things together is really is really good. Because then mm-hmm. we get the the fact that he's got his fourth directive that's classified and it turns out that he can't arrest anyone that's employed with OCP. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That is a cool reveal too. And I like too the the sequence where he's arresting Clarence uh, and he's like got his arm around his throat and he's like, you know, you can't kill me, you're a cop. And he's like, sees a little directive, uphold the law, yeah. pop up. And he's like, yes, yes, I am a cop. I am a cop. Yeah. And that shootout sequence is, is so fucking cool. Yeah. And he throws him through like four panes of glass or something. Yeah. <laughs> one uh, after the last one, he's like, I work for Dick Jones. Fucking. Yeah. I think it, it works for Clarence's character too because he is a psycho and has this this kind of brutality about him, but he also has a sense of self-preservation. Like, yeah, totally. He's still he's still a, a, a rat. Yeah, yeah, because Dick uh, wasn't happy. He's like, you brought me into this. Yeah, and he's exactly. Like, he was going to fucking kill me. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's a cool, like, uneasy uh, working relationship that they have um, to the point where when Clarence comes back after that amazing sequence of uh, the reveal of Directive 4 and Robocop versus the ED-209 um, and then being chased out of the, you know, out yeah, of the building. That's what I love is that when, he, when, he, when ED-209 comes up against Robocop, it's like we've mm-hmm. seen the damage that ED can do to people and we've seen mm. that Robocop... Like that, Murphy has had that damage done to him by the yeah. by the, the gang. Absolutely, and we've also seen that normal bullets can't 
do anything exactly. to Robocop. So this is all of this, these, This like- is military-grade shit, so it's like all these, uh, the, the, the ante has been upped repeatedly. Yeah, and so that's how you go, okay, off. we've had tons of shootouts, Robocop's invincible, yep. so we're starting to, like, there's no stakes, so there's no tension because he can't be hurt. And then we get yep. to see what those bullets that did that to that guy in the beginning of the yeah. movie does yep. to Robocop and it actually damages his armour. And it's like, oh, shit, yep. Robocop could be hurt again. Yeah, um, so cool. And then immediately after ditching Ed by going down the stairs and Ed having a little hissy fit on the stairs because he can't get back up, then mm-hmm. all the cops are there to kill him. And so then yeah. we get this awesome scene that parallels when he falls to his knees from getting shot. It really reminds me of when he's getting blown to pieces by the yeah. uh, by the criminals, but now it's the yeah, cops absolutely. killing him. So it's like, oh, these people have turned against him. And exactly. Yeah, it's like it's starting to get to him. It's mm-hmm. all of those bullets that weren't hurting him. The amount of damage yep. he's taken now is like actually wearing him down. And at this he's point, because we've seen him kind of um, uh, his humanity kind of coming through, we get a sense that this is hurting him not only physically, but there's probably also a part of him that's like, please, no, don't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's a betrayal because they're like, we, he is a cop. Yeah, 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 exactly. And he's a fucking good cop. Damn good cop. Clarence goes back to the office. Yeah. Has that like really like hideous flirting, uh, like very like like disgusting flirting with the uh, with the secretary with the secretary puts his gum on her fucking like desk thing because that's what women like. <laughs> they love it when you get when you let them keep their keep your gum. Uh, and then when he says the thing of you know there's got to be people in Delta City uh, who want drugs, prostitution, gambling, all stuff you could. Uh, all stuff you could be in charge of, dude. He like comes, he literally stops, shuffles yep. back, sits on the couch. He's like, well, I guess we're friends and calls him Richard, Richard. instead of yeah, Dick. that's right. Which is cool, yep. cool, cool. For the, first, the um, only time in the movie, calls him Richard. Yeah, yeah. Really, really, really fucking good script. This is a really good script. And again, the the way, the, the comic book nature of this film isn't just in the the over-the-top uh, elements. It's it's in how the shots are composed. Yeah. Like so many of these look like panels. You can see them playing out as panels in a comic. Fitting that that you know Robocop ended up spawning many comics of its own. Yeah. Uh, the, the, all the all the all the goons get let out of jail because the police strike happens, and mm-hmm. he's like, "There's this brand new six thousand SUX just in the parking lot." <laughs> so then Clarence blows up his one with the gun. It's so good and so petty and so like. You know, fuck you. No, I get the nice things. Exactly. It's like, no, I'm the leader of this gang, so I have to have a nicer car than you. It's really Mm -hmm. petty. But also just like the the ginger guy that drives the van. Like I love that everyone's like looting and he's just trying to watch the fucking cuts at that that stupid sitcom show. And so he he smashes the window with the glass so he can turn the volume up on the TV. (laughs) It is cute. Cute little uh, character traits like that or like characteristics. Yeah, and then it's cool, like that Murphy. She's come and saved Robocop, and they're hiding mm-hmm. out at the at the mill, which is like mm-hmm. where he got killed in the first place. So we're like going back yeah. to the same place to have that like final showdown. Yeah, um, and we also get he he kind of goes back there and really gets to see the damage that was done to him yeah, in that's that what place I was say, by removing that his, off, his mask. It's sort of the um, that's his transformation back to his human again. He remembers. Yeah, and he he looks and at himself in that, in that kind again. of warped piece of of metal and and mm. sees what he's been turned into. 
there's a this performance is fucking wonderful, dude. Because there is a real we can see his humanity, but it doesn't play out like a uh, uh, he doesn't cry or anything. He just looks just kind of bereft. Yeah, it's funny that like that's an underplayed moment, even though like there's so much other stuff in the movie that's so ridiculously overplayed, mm. and then they just go really subtle with the with that little moment. Yeah, like it's just him kind of looking into like looking into space, kind of shaking his head, looking down, um, and saying like you know he can't remember this this family. Like he asks about his family just to kind of I guess confirm that they exist or that yeah. they still exist out there in the world. Because he's talking even about himself there's... in the third person while he's asking yeah, it as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's really cool. Has a real sad, almost well mime quality about it. Like it feels like a silent, like like silent film kind of acting. Yeah, it's it's. Subtle, um, in 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 the right ways, and not so subtle in in you know where, it, where it's right appropriate ways. as well. <laughs> yeah, the other right ways exactly. And funnily enough, Paul Verhoeven does cite what's that fucking Metropolis, Fritz Lang, mm. um, as a as a big influence on the look and feel and and design of RoboCop and its and his movements. Yeah, no, too much. Um, too much of the cred is always. Everyone's always like, "Oh, look at C three PO. That's Metropolis." And you're like, yeah, "Shut up. That's <laughs> shut up. And watch Robocop. Fucking Robocop, man. <laughs> Go eat some baby food. Watch Robocop. <laughs> Tastes like baby food. <laughs> and he just keeps eating it. Yeah. <laughs> you get the cool. I, I like too. This is another thing that I like that they don't fuck with. Um, similarly, they they. The family thing isn't this big melodramatic. Like I gotta go find my family. It's it's just a. Do these guys still exist? Yes, they've got a new life now. Ah, yeah. oh, okay. He's struggling to aim, so Lewis like helps him aim, and it's not this like oh, I was really liked you, Murphy. There's no like romantic <laughs> subplot or anything. Yeah, they don't feel the need to shoehorn any of that in there. And then the bad guys show up. Final showdown. Oh, it's they've so raised good. the stakes enough. We've seen the damage that those big guns can do. So we know mm-hmm. that it's like, oh shit, that that looks more deadly than the fucking Ed 209. Exactly. So, and, and these these guys can move up and down stairs. Exactly. We saw that from the earlier scenes. We there's some really clever signposting that these characters can indeed walk up and down stairs. That was the main reason why they decided to go back to the mill for the final showdown as a set was because we've seen them use these exact steps already in the film multiple times. We know that they are adept at using these steps. Paul Verhoeven, you're a fucking visionary. Yeah, but then, like you said, fucking explosions, the, 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 these fucking giant, what look like sniper rifles that, but yeah, lo- basically launch. that's like what are the, the Barrett 50 cal is, is like, the biggest, most powerful sniper rifle in the world. It looks like they're just yeah. taking that and slapped a scope on it. It's like yeah. high-tech LCD screen scope. And they're like, it shoots bombs now. Yeah, and Paul was like, what if the bullets exploded? <laughs> and they were like, yeah, sure. But Robocop is doing his thing. Gets some, he's taking them out. Get some cool car gets, chases. We get yeah, the fucking gets- the grossness of the guy smashing his truck into the toxic waste <laughs> it's so bizarre and he comes out he comes out all like gooped up and stuff david cronenberg I remember that, that really really freaking me out as a kid yeah that's get the shit out of me because all the rest of the violence is it's fun it's violence that is like it's got cool factor to it it's like all the yeah, gore yeah. in terminator whenever arnie gets all the skin ripped off of his face and there's like metal underneath yeah, and he's bleeding, yeah, you're like, it is, oh, is kind of cool sick. and like tough. Yeah, it's yeah, really, and has like, this, it looks like, badass. Whoa. And that yeah. is not badass. That is just no. Fucking this just turns into fucking horror horror movie violence. Yeah. 
Um, and it and it holds on it too. Like all the other violence is kind of like bang bang. Psh, oh, you know he's exploded. He's guts exploded, gibbed out of his chest from those bullet holes. Hell yeah! All right, next thing. Whereas this holds on it, and this dude's performance oh. turns into like. Yeah, and he's you can see like all the skin off of his fingers, like the fingertips are like drooped off, and his bones are exposed. And there's no, there's no um, shooting around anything either. Like it's a full outfit. We see the camera like shows his uh, right eye is all like swollen and like inside out looking. Yeah, it's real gross. Disgusting. And he's just like, help me. Yep. Yep. And uh, thankfully, Clarence runs him the fuck yeah, over and he explodes. End. But he explodes, <laughs> explodes in like a really gross way that it's like, uh, like It's he, soupy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's all goop, but it doesn't look like it's not blood. It's just gross no, goop. No, and like, it, looks just, it just looks uh, like he explodes into like bile. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's it's all so that was left rotten. of him. Like yeah. there was h- hardly any hard stuff inside of him yeah it was just exactly. all goop at that point more soup than man um <laughs> twisted I love, and, and evil and clarence's reaction is just like shit like he, <laughs> he just drives through him and doesn't give a fuck uh oh, getting soup all over his six thousand SUX. i think i think he has that character that 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 underling has the most satisfying death in this movie because he is the dude who's like you know he's robbing a uh, robbing a place and and takes real pleasure in inflicting pain and and uh like intimidating the uh, guy intimidating people who are who are helpless but only cuz he's got a gun yeah like he's not actually a, a badass he's a fucking pussy yeah. so when like when you get to see him just totally like tr- like taken apart from the inside out almost you're like yeah fuck you dude yeah, how man. dare you i hated how you dare anyway you. smarter than a bullet fuck you dude um and then yeah we get the cool showdown where another jesus allegory um, cause, uh, Clarence and, uh, Lewis are fighting mm-hmm. and he calls out to Clarence and it's like whip pan over to <laughs> Robocop walking on water. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh man, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's like, and he's like, I'm not here to arrest you now. And you're like, oh, that means he's fucking, he's there to fucking judge dread this motherfucker. Yeah, cause Clarence straight away goes back into the, like, I can trick him. I'm like, he's not afraid of him. Yeah, he like, thinks oh, that I stopped like you already. So yeah, yeah. Oh, I surrender. I put my hands up and mm-hmm. like buy time for the other guy to drop all of the fucking metal on him, mm-hmm. which is so great. It he gets hit so fucking hard with those those like you fucking, feel it. You yeah. feel that man. And like when we see him, he's like got it across his chest and stuff, and he's like underneath it all stuck. They fucking nail him straight in the face. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's cool. Again, we feel the impact of it, and then when he's like under the under it all, and we see him, and he's doing the kind of Adam West like, yeah. but he's a robot, so it kind of makes sense. It, it it has weight, which is cool. Yeah, and the, like again, Clarence all that just violence. has the lead pipe. He's just whacking it with him, and then he yeah. finally like stabs it in his chest. Oh, oh god! Because we can see Peter Weller's like entire face at this point, we can see him like experiencing that pain whereas previously it was this he's he's this masked thing it looked kind of comical here it's like oh fuck no you really feel for him yeah, he's he's really feeling it uh, yeah and then i just love the final takedown with the little um spike that the, comes like, out of his hand that's the like Dada a Dada thing port, yes but he fucking just oh. stabs him in the neck and the amount of blood that just like splats all over robocop's armor and goes yeah. from like silver to red just straight away 
It's um, tough, dude. And then, yeah, Clarence gets a great, like, prolonged death where he's, like, holding the wound and it's just spurting yep. out. Spurting out. It's, it's a cool thing because uh, earlier in the movie, when he goes into the uh, police station and we get the reveal of that data spike thing, uh, like, it pops out kind of near the face of a cop when he's like, what are you doing? He's like, shink. Yeah. Um, and you kind of go like, Ooh, that yeah, that looks, that looks sharp. And then when he plugs it into the computer, you're like, oh, it's just a data thing. Like, okay. Mm. Uh, and then for that to come back in in a way that like I'd forgotten that existed by that point, like it's a really cool uh, like I guess bait and switch kind of thing where you go like, how'd you get out of this one? Ding. Oh, fuck, it's back. It's, it's deadly. Cool. It's it's the knife coming back in a way that like you you didn't even consider the object being a knife, you know. Yeah. And then I love that like Lewis is lying there and she's like I'm a mess and he's like they'll fix you. They fix everything. <laughs> <Yeah>. That's it. <laughs> and it's yeah, it's almost this like this dread well, of like point- oh, like sh- they'll turn her into one too maybe like <laughs> Yeah, totally, totally. Um but also I think it's said with this uh, like by this point in the movie, because he's kind of re- uh, like reclaimed or d- rediscovered his humanity a little bit, he has a bit of a sense of humor and he says it with this kind of knowing, this kind yeah, of like, ah, you'll be fine. Yeah. You know, look what they did to me. And, and then we get the real final showdown with our fucking big bad, the guy who like deserves it the most. And it's so funny because he's telling off Clarence for saying his name because he's like, Mm -hmm. he's a walking video camera. He's like, he records everything that's admissible as evidence. And yet he then says to him, like right after that, I had to kill Bob Bob because he made a mistake. Now I'm here to erase that mistake. Yeah. And you're like, dude. I guess guess he was pretty confident that he like killed Robocop. Or that he was going to kill Robocop. Yeah, but yeah. it was like, dude, you just made the same fucking mistake that you were telling your lackey off for. Yeah, yeah, which is classic bad guy move. Is his overconfidence is ultimately his downfall. Totally, and the scene um, mirrors the 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 first scene with the Ed two hundred nine yes. thing because he grabs the 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 chromed Desert Eagle. That's right. And holds it to the boss's head as a hostage situation. Mm-hmm. And yeah, in this boardroom, this immaculate boardroom with the sparkly chromed Desert Eagle. Mm-hmm. That we saw that original uh, thing play out and backfire. This time, it's like no, he is he is a good cop because when the boss fires Dick, then he's able to shoot him, and he again like just blows him away, shoots him so many times, yeah, and then he smashes out the window and falls out of the building. And mm-hmm. this time you're like, yay, violence. Or in the first time that we saw that guy die in that boardroom, you were like, oh no, it's an accident, it's a glitch. Yeah, but now we're yeah. cheering for it and applauding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think the way that that first scene is presented, we're kind of applauding and cheering, but out of like a ha ha ha, ha like it's yeah. it's not coming from a righteous place. Whereas no. here, it's it, it, you feel really justified in in the in taking real glee in that violence, that display of ultra violence, um, and and that that extends right to ED two hundred nine getting getting blown the fuck up. Yeah. When uh, Robocop pulls up to the building right before that, yeah. And um, I love how the boss, like the really, really high up, is kind of like he's oblivious to all of it. Like I, uh, he's, yeah, not, yeah. he's not portrayed as this really, really evil dude. He's kind of like, oh, he's come up earlier than that. He's kind of all right. He's like, nice shooting kid. What's your name? 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, Murphy, which is fucking sick. It was such a cool note to end on. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I do like it. Like, he, the character's name, at least in, in this one, I haven't seen Robocop 2, so I don't know if they give him a, a proper name in this, but in this one he's just referred to as the old man. Yeah. Um, Dan O'Harely? Mm. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. But, um, yeah, he does a, a really good job of playing, like, a, an almost old-timey, slightly endearing version of this young, uh, younger, more brutal cutthroat thing that Dick Jones is. Yeah. He's he's shown to have some sense of of morality if if, if a yeah, little Yeah, when Dick Jones says that oh this is just a glitch. Yeah, when, he's like you when call talking this just about a glitch. A dead person, he's like Exactly. What are you talking about? That was a human life. Exactly. Yeah, 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 which is is cool. So he's not fully exonerated. Well, like you said, he gets Dick gets shot out the window fucking says he's Murphy and then boom credits it's really cool I think something I've been thinking about I've been reading this book um, story by Robert McKee it's uh, a book about the substance style structure and the principles of screenwriting as the front cover says and it's been really interesting and I've been able to uh, it's been fun kind of reading this while watching going back and watching uh, these old movies and seeing how those principles apply here and I feel like this does a really good job of presenting like a theme of the idea that this this like consumerism and, and corporatization kind of run rampant. It, it presents it just as a thing. It's not like, and and it shows like the negative aspects of it, of course, but it kind of also has this character, the the old man, as an example of like, eh, it, it, it works though. It's functional. Like it isn't just this preaching kind of. It shows like the I guess both sides of the argument mm. or, or like the counter idea to the idea which I think is a, a cool thing. What a fucking good movie. So the movie did well at the time, reviewed quite well um, at time of recording. What's Rotten Tomatoes say? 89%. That's respectable. That's is that that's certified fresh, right? Oh, it should be. That's that's pretty fucking, damn good. I think. Come on, how, how high is the bar for, for certifiable freshness? Um, and I think it does hold up. I think my... Uh, nitpicking or, or my uh, aversion to the whole like knowing something that the protagonist doesn't is just a a personal taste thing. And mm. like I said, I've been thinking on it and I don't really, I, I, honestly, I don't think I would want to see anything changed or rearranged because the film does, like with that niggling little thing in mind, I still think the movie works so well as an overall package. Yeah, I agree. I think it's such a good package. It holds up so well. It hasn't dated because it's playing up those 80s elements itself. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's something that helps it have longer legs. Yeah. Of its, its, I think its too, self-awareness. The, the, um, the him finding out about his, his previous humanity and stuff, even though we already know about it, that kind of feels kind of comic, comic booky as well. Yeah. So I, I kind of I can talk myself into liking it, you know. <laughs> But that's just nostalgia talking, isn't or it? Or it feels, it feels. No, I think it feels like justifiable when you look at the thing as a as an overall package. You can really justify like all of the decisions that they made yeah. around it. You know. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Nice shooting, son. What's your name? Murphy. We 
hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to support us, biggest thing you can do is just share this podcast with your friends on social media, word of mouth. Um, if you're listening to it on Apple Podcasts, rating and reviewing also helps us very much. Uh, we'd love to know what you thought of this week's episode or any episode for that matter. You can tweet us at Rose Tint Review on Twitter uh, or hit us up at Rose Tinted Review on Instagram. Um, and tell us in response to this week's episode, we'd love to know what your favorite line from Robocop is, your favorite one liner, because there's, goddamn, there's so many, so many of them. Yeah, it's hard to pick. There's so many good ones. Mm-hmm. Next week, we are going to be uh, reviewing Evil Dead 2. Yes, dude, I'm so fucking excited for this. This is sort of like a blind spot for me because I've seen Evil Dead and I've seen Army of Darkness, but I haven't seen this one that goes in between. But um, I, I I'm 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 so excited for you. Yeah, this will be this interesting. Be wonderful. I'm sure um, this will like I, explain a lot. I'll I'll come out of it being like, oh, I get I get a lot of this now. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, I, dude. I think this is going to be. There are certain pieces of art, whether it be movies or music or or whatever, where you share them with a friend, and I think you get you gain like a certain context, like an insight into that person. You gain like more context for why they are as they are. Yeah. And Evil Dead 2 is one of those movies that I I, I feel such an affinity for. It, it inf- informed so much of what I love about movies and love about comedy and horror. Well, now I'm even more excited to see that. As always, we recommend strongly that you watch the movie before listening to the episode because it does make it uh, a more enjoyable experience. As we always say, context is key. That's right. And also we spoil everything and we don't give a spoiler warning at the beginning of an episode. So <laughs> yeah, true. we yeah, really yeah, hope yeah. that you have watched it and we're not ruining anything for you. So join us next time when we'll find out if our hindsight is truly 2020 or we've just been wearing rose-tinted glasses. Mm-hmm.